The lesson this morning is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 through 31. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will never, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Alleluia. Special welcome to guests here today. Uh, if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Tim, and I'd love to meet you. So uh, if we uh, have an opportunity uh, in, the, in the gathering area after worship uh, and we haven't met, please come say hi to me. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to meet you and, and learn your name and know, know who you are. We're uh, launching a new series uh, for the season of Lent. Lent is a 40-day journey that begins uh, with Ash Wednesday. And uh, we gathered here in the worship space Wednesday night and uh, remembered our, our brokenness, remembered our sinful nature, but yet reminded of, of God's promise of love and grace. And Ash Wednesday and Lent begin this movement towards God's incredible resurrection life. Not only in our, our lives now, but in, in our eternal uh, lives as well. Um, sometimes uh, people get into the season of Lent more than others. I tripped over this cartoon. It's awesome. Woohoo, Lent! Go, 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 Lent! Yay, Lent! The caption is Jeff gives it up for Lent. <laughs> Woo! It's not quite the spirit of the season. The season is um, a time of self reflection, a time of, of spiritual growth, a time just sort of understanding our place with our Creator and our need, our desperate need for a Savior. How many of you over the years, maybe this year or in years past, have, have done the spiritual exercise of giving something up for Lent? Raise your hand if you've ever tried. Look around, all right? I uh, found a survey. 8,000 people, 8,000 adults were surveyed. Uh, the top seven things that are the most difficult to give up for the season of Lent. Let's do this Letterman style. We'll go seven to one. Number seven, fast food. That can be a sacrifice for a lot of us. I put my favorite fast food restaurant on there for your viewing pleasure, White Castle. I am standing here and reporting to you with all authenticity that since Ash Wednesday to this moment right now, I have not been to White Castle. I would expect some encouragement from you. Man, gee whiz, I mean, I'm trying the best I can. It's not that I go all the time, it's that I can't go now. And it's like, ah. 
Number six, alcohol. A lot of us give up alcohol for the season of Lent. Um, Good, uh, not only a spiritual cleansing, but a physical cleansing of sorts. Five, pop or soda. If you're down south, it's called Coke. I don't know why, but people give this up for Lent. It's a good thing. Number four, chocolate. My mom, growing up as a kid, gave up chocolate every season of Lent. I saw some very not-so-pleasant sides of my mom during those five weeks, but she did it. And as a kid, I wanted to go along. I didn't want her to suffer alone, so I gave up nacho cheese Doritos. But I am here to also tell you, as I did with White Castle so far, I never made it through Lent without eating Doritos. So, confession. Number three, social networking. Five weeks. Who could do that? We have a pastor here uh, taking this on, so want to encourage our pastor doing this. No social networking. Five weeks. That would be incredible. Uh, free us up, free up our time, free up time for spiritual growth, time for relationships, uh, personal conversations. That's an awesome one, but very difficult. Number two, caffeine. How many of you have had a little caffeine so far today? Yeah, you're not doing this one, are you? <laughs> before, we put up, before we put up the last one, what do you think it is? Let me give you a hint. Bring it up. Watching TV. The hardest thing for people to do, give up watching TV, watching streaming, you know, binge watching your favorite show, catching up, just sitting there staring for hours on end. Watching sports, that would be really hard. So, here they are. Now, this series, I Give Up, is going to encourage us each weekend to talk about something to give up that will grow our faith that will help us pause in the busyness of our lives and sort of think about growing deeper with God, knowing the Lord more. So why don't we do that together? If you have your Bibles, let's jump back to Isaiah 40. Let's go back to verse 25. We're going we're gonna to be talking about, I want to tell you where we're going. We're going to talk about give up, giving up. Hope in the Lord, but we need to work through the text to get to that place. So let's start with verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Verse 26. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Back to 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Isaiah reminds us that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. How many of you have been out in God's creation on a beautiful clear night, looked up at the starry sky, and just been blown away? If you've ever done that, raise your hand right now. I I can't tell you what you experience in that, but I can tell you what I experience in that. The 
witness of an incredible creator, the witness of a God who put the stars in their places and calls them out by name, a God who created everything. And I stand there, and what's so beautiful about those moments is, for me personally, as a person of faith, is I'm reminded that all the worries of life, all the struggles, uh, just for a moment, in that moment in time when I'm looking at God's creation and I'm blown away, I have hope that there is a God behind this, an incredible artist, an incredible divine being that spun it all in motion, and we get to be a part of it. The illustration I sometimes use uh, deals with the thought that some might think it's all a coincidence, a random accident. Life is just some cosmic accident, a coincidence of sorts. And the illustration I like to use with this is, is based on that saying that, you know, sometimes it takes a little more faith to be an atheist than a Christian, to not believe there's a grand designer behind the design. The illustration is I would be invited to your house for dinner, not that I have been, but if I were invited to your house for dinner, and then after this incredible meal you've made and prepared and served, I sit back in my chair at your dining room table and I take out a napkin and I wipe my mouth and then I look at you and I say, that was a coincidence. The ingredients magically came out of the fridge in the pantry and spun around on top of the counter and measured themselves and were, were put together and then they all leapt on their own into the oven and then there was a big bang in the oven and then the food magically swirled around and landed perfectly on the table. Uh, what a coincidence. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? There's hope. As we look at the grand design of the grand designer. Jump down with me now to verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You see, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, in our most weakest state, God says, my grace can cover that. I can cover that. I can fill that. I can transform that. My power is made perfect when you are weak, when I am weak. I come into that brokenness and bring healing. I come into that sinfulness and I bring forgiveness. I come into that death and I bring life. My power, God says, is perfect in weakness. And look no further for the incredible vision of that than the cross of Jesus Christ. In the brokenness of the cross, the most humiliating way to put someone to death in Jesus' day. In fact, the Romans got rid of crucifixion in the year about 300 A.D. because even the Romans said, this is too horrible of a way to kill someone. In this most weakest moment for a human being publicly 
crucified. God says, my power is made perfect in that weakest moment because through the cross, through the person who has hope, the person who has faith in the one on that cross, is forgiven, is renewed, and lives in the promise of eternal life. My grace is sufficient for you. Isaiah, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Let's finish the text together. Verse 31. Here's where we're all moving towards now. The glory of creation. God's power in our weakness. The hope that's there in our brokenness. Now in verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The key word here is hope. Look at the screen if you can see it. But those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There is hope in the Lord. The Hebrew word for hope here, uh, original text of, of this text, in Hebrew is kava. You want to try a Hebrew word? Everyone say kava. Kava translates literally hope. It also translates literally wait, and those two things hold hands because in the waiting there is hope. It's definitely a time of waiting for God, waiting for God's, this eager anticipation that God, the Lord, is going to show up and come through on his promises. Maybe not in your timeline, maybe not in your way, but God always comes through and always keeps his promises. Kava is how will the Lord show up? How is he going to act? It's not thinking, gee, I hope God shows up. Gee, I hope this works out the way I want it to. But knowing, trusting, having the hope in God who keeps his promises. A real simple way to sort of illustrate this together today is, you know the boys of summer are back? Your favorite baseball team is at spring training, starting to play spring training games. We White Sox fans have a glimmer of hope right now. Amen, White Sox fans? Little hope. We got little hope. Now that hope is surrounded by some doubt, some life experiences, and that's not the hope that Kava is. Kava is more knowing that the season's coming. They're going to show up. The players are going to play. And the season's going to happen. That is waiting for opening day. We know it's coming. So trusting in God is not the hope that, gee, I hope God shows. It's knowing it's going to happen. It's that faith, that hope, hope in the Lord. Why? Because if you do, that's not a maybe. What follows is will. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you're tired now, if you're wiped out now, if you need God's strength in your life, it will strengthen you. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You will rise again. You're suffering now. Your trial has a season. You'll walk and not be faint through the life experiences that are coming your way. So let me ask you, So who or what are you putting your hope in right now, if not God? And if we were to ask you before the service started, you might have leaned more towards the hope that 
is wrapped in a lot of doubt. Oh, I hope I get that job. I hope this works out for my kid. I hope this is... And as a believer, that's a slippery slope. If that's your hope, if that's your foundation. It's not bad to hope for things. Don't hear me wrong today. But kavah is hope in God, delivering, forgiving, renewing, strengthening, delivering, no matter what's happening in our lives right now. Give up giving up during the season of Lent. So I want to give you a couple, three things to think about just as we wrap up here this morning. And um, I want you to echo the prayer of Jesus. Not my will, Lord, but your will. Not my will, Lord, but your will. Um, So let's look at the first thing. Pray for faith to trust that God is going to act. You may be here this morning and you're just not there. You're, you're, you're just not, there. your place, your faith, your trust, your, your kavah, it's just, you don't have kavah. It's not there. So ask God, ask the Spirit to bring that to you, to fill that, fill your heart, fill your soul. Ask him for it. God, give me the faith to put my trust in you, that you are going to act in my life, that you are going to move in powerful ways. Give me that faith. The second thing. Remember that your suffering or your trial has a shelf life. Not downplaying any personal struggles, any personal trials right now in your life. But if you're like me, you check the expiration date on the stuff you eat and drink. And, you know, you go to the fridge and you're like, ooh, this milk says it's best through tomorrow. Look, 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 look. Your suffering, your trial has a shelf life. As I look back on my life and the times I have gone through the trials, the times I have suffered, I realize when I come through on the other side with the Lord that he has changed me, he has grown me, he has taught me, And I look back on that season of suffering and realize it did have its own season. Hoping in the Lord is trusting that God will bring you to a new place, bring you to a new season. We uh, hear Psalm 35 say this. We bring Psalm 30 verse 5 up. Weeping may last through the night. But what comes with the morning? What comes? There's hope. There is hope in the Lord for the seasons of life that challenge us the most. Finally, the third thing is keep an eternal perspective. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus, keep an eternal perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. I'm often telling the wonderful story of a, of a little boy, a true story in the hospital, surgery after surgery after surgery for his physical challenges. And finally a nurse who got to know him pretty well just finally looked at him and said, Honey, do, do you ever get mad at God? Do you ever get mad at God for all this you're, 
you're going through? And the little guy, without even thinking of it, looked back at, at the nurse and he goes, nah, I figure he has all of eternity to make it up to me. What if we had hope in the Lord that had that eternal perspective? I will come clean and say sometimes I realize, I find myself limiting all the stuff in life to just this life and it's this, this is it. This isn't it. We have an eternal destiny. We have a heavenly calling. We have an eternity to live with all believers and loved ones. And we need to keep that eternal perspective. So give up giving up. Hope in the Lord. Trust that the seasons we, uh, of challenge will, will, will pass. Trust that God will deliver on his promises. Never give up. People of faith, never give up. Turn to someone and say, never give up. Because God keeps his promises. Let's pray. Lord, strengthen us and keep us. Fill us with your spirit. Remind us that you are God. Remind us that you are the author of life, the giver of strength and renewal. Too often, Lord, we try to do it ourselves. Try to find the answers everywhere but you. Help us to trust in you, to hope in you, to never give up. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all said together.